Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Bingen on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Bingen. Uh, we will discuss some of your Twitter and Instagram habits a little bit later on in the show. We will also talk a lot about the Stadium Series uniforms because people love to rant and rave about uniforms. A little bit more ranting, I think, on the show today. We'll 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 discuss the Ryan Ellis trade and and when we when we're supposed to evaluate that. Maybe some Milwaukee Admirals talk as well. We'll look at some secondary scoring that is starting to happen. Some line combinations here in a little bit, and we'll look ahead, of course, to the big three-game road trip over the weekend. Um, We'll start with a a big question about this team and where they're at this season versus last season. Um, I know you're on a road trip, though, right now, correct? Yes. uh, You're first in a while, right? Yes, this is my first work road trip since March of 2020. I was on the road trip uh, with the Predators uh, when the – league paused in March of 2020. So I was at their last game of that part of the season in Montreal. Um, It was the next day uh, the Predators were supposed to go to Toronto. They actually did go to Toronto, as did I. Um, And they were supposed to play the Maple Leafs. That's when the the season was shut down. And then I hopped on a plane back to Nashville and I I did not travel um, during the postseason in the bubble. I did not travel at all last season. And I hadn't traveled yet this season. So I was in Detroit um, and I'm currently in New York nice. and the, the wife and son are with and we'll talk Arlo later. Uh, <laughs> but yes, it was nice to uh, even though it's still a bit weird because you can't go in the dressing room. You know, things are a bit more opened up. You can actually have face to face interactions with guys. You know, what's funny, actually, is uh, yesterday morning, uh, Tuesday morning, uh, rather. I uh, was in the uh, in the visiting dressing room area at Little Caesars Arena where um, Roman Yossi, Brian Johansson and Dante Fabro were playing soccer to warm up. Um, when Roman saw me, he said, Adam, you're back on the road. And I said, yes, first time since March 2020. And, and Ryan Johansson chimed in and said, and you chose to come to Detroit. <laughs> and I said, well, and New York. Which there's there's the Ryan Johansson we know and love for sure. Uh, gotta love that from him. So, I have no problem with Detroit. Uh, so, my mom, my mom was born in Detroit, so I have to say nice things about Detroit. My my, my wife was raised in the Detroit area, so wow. yesterday the, the uh, Tuesday was her first time back in Detroit in, in quite some time, and she actually used to work for the Red Wings in their community relations oh, cool. department. So. Um, it was nice to let Arlo see where mommy grew up. <laughs> you've, uh, you're contractually and legally obligated to be okay with Detroit. If you've married uh, a Detroit girl, there's, there's no question. You know, who, you know what, you know, you know, who doesn't have, uh, you know, who does have a problem with Detroit. Apparently the creditor's Twitter account <laughs> has a problem with Detroit. Well, it, it does seem to, and again, this is not a big deal because UC Saros and Matias Ekholm are out for non COVID illnesses, but it does feel like people get sick when they play the Red Wings for some, for some reason, it, it's just the players get sick when they get to Detroit for, for whatever reason, who knows, there seems to be history of stomach viruses and flus and all this weird nonsense that happens in Detroit. So, uh, all right, I, let, let, let's, let, we've got it before we, we were already too far down the road here because we've got to talk about hockey, but we also have to tell everybody that the gold standard podcast is brought to you by. It's brought to you by Jaspers and we'll have an interesting, uh, ad later in the show (laughs) to say the least yes yes, we will go to jaspers um where their food is exceptional unlike adam's microphone quality on this particular episode of the gold standard their food is exceptional uh and of course the parking is free the happy hours are great the gold standard cocktail named after this show make sure you're tagging jaspers and all your tweets if you go there Uh, we really really appreciate it they appreciate your support and we appreciate your support as well also go to the athletic pay for good journalism there too so uh real quickly here the the 5-2 win over detroit to me it sort of embodies all the things that you're looking for from this team right now they they start out on a two nothing lead which is now they're they're now 10 and 0 we talked about this last week they're 10 and 0 when they lead after one which means they don't ever give up those first period leads which means they're good at finishing they didn't have uc saros they got 14 saves out of David Riddich, which means they played really good defense they totally outshot i think almost 2 to 1 if not more so 
the Red Wings in that. The Stars came to play. Roman Yossi had three points, his like 109th career multi-point game for the Preds, third all-time. Ryan Johansson has a goal and an assist. He now has seven goals, 15 assists, which is the exact total he had last year in 48 games, seven goals and 15 assists. Uh, they've only played 25 games uh, this year. Um, the defense is good. And then they get some secondary scoring. Ellie Tolvanen scores again. Like, to me, that game embodies on the road against the team that's been hot, five straight. To me, that game sort of embodies what you're looking for as a fan out of this team right now. 14-10-1 as of the time of taping. Um, I, I don't know. what did, is that, Does that make sense? Like, when they get a power play goal, to me, that game is sort of the new Predators way, if you want, if you want, if you want to come up with a, a silly catchphrase. Yeah, and, and Dante Fabro after the game, you know, the first thing he said when talking about why the team played such a good game was because of their tenacity on the forecheck. And my colleague, Max Boltman, who covers the Red Wings for the Athletic, you know, at one point tweeted during the game, man, this Nashville team is physical. And when was the last time we could say that about the Nashville Predators? Um, they, they were, you know, to use Dante's word, quite tenacious um, on the four check in, in all three zones. And, and to your point, they, they allowed 16 shots on goal. And that takes into account the pushback that the Red Wings were inevitably going to have as they tried to tie the game and the Predators went into, you know, shutdown mode, so to speak. Um, shots were 33 to 16 slot shots were 12 to six in favor of the Predators. So six slot shots allowed in, in, in 60 minutes is, is quite good. Um, and I think in some recent games, you've seen, uh, the defense in the slot slip a little bit. Um, but this was a return to form. It also helped, of course, as you said, that they, they, they got, they received goals from five different players. Ryan Johansson had a, a solid game on the, and they had a great power play, uh, give and go with Matthew Shane, Roman Yossi had another great highlight real goal and had another multi-point game, as you said, I believe. Now he is second all time um, it, or third all time. I think he's only one game behind. I think it was Martin Erat and David Legwand for yeah, he's, most he's multiple one, games. He, he's one behind Erat and I think 11 behind Legwand. Okay. So not quite there yet, but almost there. Um, you know, Ellie Tolbinen had another deflection goal. Um, Nick Cousins had a big goal when the Red Wings uh, were pushing and, and cut the lead to down to, to 2 1. Um, and I believe it was Dante Fabro. Um, who had the the empty netter? So you know it was a really solid team game against a, 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 an improving Detroit team. Now, this is not the Detroit team that the Predators beat up on eight times last season in the in the COVID nineteen Central Division. Um, you know, they, they, as you had mentioned, they had won five consecutive games before uh, before Tuesday night. So you know you have to feel good uh, about the way they played. Um, so I mean, there really were no issues with that game right. um the you know they uh, uh, unfortunately for them uh they were without matias at home and uc saros uh because of non-covid illness which you have to specify now um but john Hines said that he doesn't expect them to be out long um so i i, I think you could see them in these games in the new york metro area uh matt benning also day-to-day -day with an upper body injury so we saw uh the return of uh philip myers to the lineup uh, we saw, which we'll um, talk about a little bit later on in the show. A little yes. Bit. We, we saw Ben Harper return from his conditioning stint, even though I don't think any of us realized he was injured in the first place. Um, you know, the, the forward lines were made the same and we'll talk about those forward lines coming up. So, um, when you, you know, oftentimes you'll hear teams talk about getting road trips off on the right foot and, uh, you know, no yeah. complaints from the predators with their, with their performance on Tuesday night. Yeah, certainly if you go back to, you know, our last episode, you know, not good against Boston, shut out at home on a Thursday, you bounce back. Montreal's a, a not a good team, but you win in overtime and you collect the two points. Forsberg delivers a big moment there. But then I think you look at Detroit and you go, that's the way you want to see this team play, especially if you added Matias Ekholm and UC Saros to that lineup. And and maybe it's like 4-1 or something. I, I think you could argue that's that's exactly how John Hines wants to see his team. So before we get into some of the line combinations, secondary scoring in the weekend, I want to ask you just pretty directly here, because through 25 games, they're 14-10-1. Through 28 games last season, they were 11-16-1. We were talking about the removal of David Poyle as the general manager. 
is is John Hines the right guy for the job? Should they try to move Matt Duchesne? You know what all the all the bad stuff. It was at the very very bottom of the worst stretch of hockey for the Predators in long in a long time. They immediately went out on the road trip that sort of saved the season after 28 games. I think it is fair to like to me the I, I look at where this team is today, looking at a full preseason run up to the season, a full training camp. It's literally John Hines' first normal hockey season as the head coach of the National Predators. I, I think it's factually true to say that this team is significantly ahead of where it was last year through the same number of games. Oh, you know, light years ahead. Um, the, the Predators, um, as you said, at this time last year through this amount of games, I know it was a 56-game season, but around this portion of the season, we were talking about blowing it up. I mean, I was writing stories about which players should be traded and, you know, how to execute a proper rebuild. You know, we weren't really paying attention to the results on the ice because we thought the season was over. Um, but then they of course turned it around. I mean, look, the predators are, you know, as we've said a couple of times where we expected them to be. And this is why when you have a baby on a road trip, he chimes in during the, the podcast, Arlo, uh, little fussy, but that's okay. Um, you know, when you look at the when you look sort, at the sort of the way you, sort of the way you and I were at this time last year. Yes, we were we were whining quite a bit. Uh, but when you look at where they are in the standings, you know, the central division is a, a jumbled mess, with the exception of Chicago and Arizona. You know, the Predators are as we record this on uh, as we record this in third place in the central division, a point back of second place and eight points back uh, of first place. Um, but they're only one point ahead of fourth place and fifth place and sixth place, actually. So things are, you know, things are, are, are very tight. And, you know, we, we expected them to be on that bubble all season long. And, you know, we haven't seen anything to um, dissuade us from having that opinion. Um, they've had a hard time stringing together winning streaks. I mean, they've had, they've, they had one early on in the season, but it's been win one, lose one, win two, lose one. They haven't really been able to, you know, jump out to a, a, a large winning streak or anything like that. So, you know, until, unless, unless they do that, you know, every game is going to really mean something because I mean, when you live on the bubble, you know, one, one bad week, two bad weeks could be the end of your season eventually. And you look back at, man, if they had only won this game or that game, it would be an right. entirely different story. So, you know, you know, look, you know, the, the record is about what I expected, but I think the process is, you know, as you, it leaps and bounds improved from, from last season, like this team clearly has an identity. They, they know how to play. I mean, I know that they, I know they played the Red Wings many times last year, but there was a lot of animosity in that game. You know, there were a couple of fights, a, a lot of big hits, a lot of scrums and, you know, Predators teams of recent past would shy away from that. But this team, I think, embraces that. They like getting their hands dirty. Um, you know, I'm not sure why uh, opponents keep trying to fight Tanner Janot. Seems like a really <laughs> stupid idea. I mean, the guy, you know, Dante Fabro said after the game on Tuesday that you look at him off the ice and he's already big. Then you put him in skates and pads and he's yeah. even bigger. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't want to screw with Tanner Janot. And and again, I think this speaks to John Hines having a full offseason, a full preseason, an actual training camp, bringing in some of those pieces that that weren't really starters at the beginning of last year that have sort of blossomed at the end of last season and now have had a full offseason to to buy in. I, I think it's the players and it's the coaching staff and it's the identity. And I think what you want to see moving forward for again, just like last year, things can change. Things can certainly change. This team could crater and be terrible and go a different direction and nothing is guaranteed. They haven't won anything at all. And there's still a lot of very, very, very long months left ahead. But I think what you want to see is that physicality just slowly build. Like, I just want to see it continue to build a little bit game by game, week by week, month by month, so that when they are like the most physically demanding team to play against in the world by the time you get to, to March. I think that's, that's sort of what you want this identity to, to continue to grow into. Um, and that speaks to sort of how they're going to organize their roster and looking at some of the line combinations. So I want to have a, a secondary scoring mixed with the line combination conversation here. And um, I, I know when you, when you pull up sort of the metrics and the stats and stuff, um, this is from moneypuck.com and you sent me this, the Forsberg Granlin Duchesne line. This is a minimum of 75 minutes together. 
is by far the most productive line uh, of, of the season sort of, you know, makes sense. Right. Um, and you can kind of explain these uh, numbers if you need to, but the expected goals per 60 minutes with that group is almost at four, 3.89. Number two on the team is actually cousins, Novak and Tomasino at two, seven, nine. But I think this is the one that's interesting to me because if you look at Duchesne, Granlund and Cunnan, they are at two, three, five, which is way down the list. If you look at Cunnan, Johansson, and Tolvanen, which has been recently deployed a little bit more often by John Hines, and we're starting to see some results from both Cunnan and Tolvanen of late, they are number third on the team at 2.75 expected goals per 60 minutes. Um, that is one of the more productive lines. We're, we're starting to see that pretty routinely now atop the, road, the lineup. It has kick-started Tolvanen, even if they're just tip goals. Cunning has sort of started to show signs of life. Like, is is that the line you now want to see the two combinations at the top of the lineup for a little bit more of an extended period of time? Yeah, and and if you if you include all of the other teams in the league, um, forward lines with a minimum of seventy five minutes of of shared ice time, there are only two lines um, that have a higher expected goal percentage uh, than Forsberg, Granlund, and Duchesne, <laughs> and they're both Penguins lines. Uh, the first is Jason Zucker, Evan Rodriguez, and Kasperi Kapanen. Um, and the second is Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, and, and Evan Rodriguez. So uh, they're at 69.5% and 68.8% respectively in terms of expected goals. Um, the uh, Forsberg, Granlund, and Duchesne at, at, at 66.4. And as we've discussed, expected goals is basically just a way to, you know, measure, uh, you know, a, a team's ability to tilt the ice and, and generate high scoring chance, you know, high danger scoring chances um, when that line is on the ice. So when Forsberg, Granlund and Duchesne are, are on the ice together, um, you know, the, the Predators are controlling 66.4%. So basically two thirds uh, of the, of the goals, expected goals based on, um, based on the shot quality. And, and, um, and the, and the cousins, Novak Tomasino line is actually number 10 in the entire NHL. And then you got to scroll a little bit ways. You got to go down a little bit further into the twenties to get to the Cunning Johansson Tolvin in line, but it's still way ahead of anything else that John Hines has put together from a Cunning or Tolvin standpoint. It is really what we're getting at here. And if you look at the actual goals, so at, like not expected fancy stats, but actual goals, uh, Johansson with Cunning and Tolvin in uh, the Predators have outscored the opponents six to one uh, when that line is on the ice. Forsberg, Granlin, and Duchesne ten to three. Um, Janot, Sissons, and Trennan, five, they've, they've been outscored seven to five. Um, and, uh, cousins, Novak and Thomas, you know, has been outscored five to three. So, you know, when you look at the expected goals of that cousins, Novak, Thomas, what did you say it was for cousins, Novak and Thomas, you know, the expected goals, uh, 2.79. What about the percentage? 60, 64%, basically 63. Uh, okay. So the actual, um, goals percentage for that line is 37.5. So the, you know, the, there you go. they are, you know, in terms of what they are creating versus what they're actually doing, you know, there's a huge discrepancy there. But one thing that of, of course that you have to take into account that at least money puck does not, if, you know, right in front of me is, you know, the situational play, you know, is that where's that line being deployed? Right, right. You know, if it's starting a lot of its shifts in the defensive zone, for example, you, you're expecting them to be outscored because they're, you know, gener you know, they're generating harder assignments. Which, um, which, which is why the Sissons line statistically doesn't stack up as well. I mean, they're just, first of all, they're not straight up goal scorers like the other guys are, but right. they're also in the, you know, they're the ones starting in the defensive zone all the time and on, you know, first shifts in the first zone against the top line. Like that's, that's what that line is supposed to do. So I, I guess I, you were asked this in one of your columns about Tolvin and being a bust. And I think it's, I think it's in, insane to sort of either try to ask or answer that question. I, I think we talked a lot about the, the sustainability of the quote unquote bad statistics for Ellie Tolvin. And, and now we're starting to see some puck luck go his way. Uh, I guess the, the, the bigger question is, are we going to see this trend continue? Can this team make the playoffs without you know, contributions from people like Tolvanen, Cunnan, Janot, Trennan, you know, Tomasino, like that, those guys have to sort of kind of continue to increase their productivity because we have seen really good signs. Um, these numbers indicate that. And 
I just watch Tolvanen with Cunning and Johansson and I go, oh, that looks good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's lots of stats, but you can also just watch it and go, that looks good to me. I mean, I think Ryan Johansson has been energized by playing with the younger players. Um, you know, you know, Cunning, you know, is in his early, you know, I think just turned 24, you know, you know, had a Gordie Howe hat trick on his 24th birthday against the Canadians uh, and, and Ellie Tolvanen's in his early 20s as well. And, and Ryan Johansson nearing 30, which is hard to believe. We're, we're nearing the six year anniversary of that trade. If you can believe that, you know, that Ryan Johansson has been a member of this team for six years almost. Um, but, uh, you know, I think he's energized by playing with those players, uh, you know, for a long time, he was with, he was with, excuse me, Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson and they had their success. But I think, you know, I think Ryan relishes the opportunity to be the, the, you know, the veteran on the line. Um, and I think he, he and Luke and Ellie have played really well together and it's been good to see Ellie score a couple goals in a row here. Um, and, and not fancy goals either. You know, both of them have been deflections, and you know we've we've talked about how oftentimes when a when a player like Ellie has a goal drought, he even said that he even said this himself uh, before he scored that goal against Montreal. That once the first one goes in, he thinks it's going to be a snowball effect, and I think you're starting to see that. Uh, but you know, we think back to uh, the t- 2017 playoffs. Think about all of the players who scored game-winning goals along the way. You know, you had your Pont- usual Pontus, suspects: Pontus Aberg and Freddie Goudreau, right? And and Vernon Fiddler, Vernon and Cody Fiddler, McLeod, that's right. That's right. and and Cody McLeod and Harry Zolnerchuk and Austin Watson. Harry Zolnerchuk, you know, that's right. Like you're not, you know, you you Harry got your Z. Forsbergs, you got your Forsbergs and your James Neals and your Arvidsons, and but you know, it was you know, those unsung players that were, were scoring big goals and, and you're going to need that. I mean, look, when you look at, when you look at teams that win championships and you look at the stats that they're, you know, that the teams put up, you know, you've got your star players that need to lead the way, of course, but I think Edmonton especially has learned that, you know, you can have the two best players in the world on your team and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but if nobody else is, is, you know, pulling their weight, you know, right. two guys can't carry you to success in the postseason. I, I, I do think the combination of Johansson with like, what's interesting is the skill set of that line. Like Ellie Tolvanen has this unbelievable shot who, you know, if you get him the puck in space, which Johansson is very good at doing, he's going to have a shot. He's going to have a chance to score from anywhere. Meanwhile, Cunning, you know, has the ability to go get into the dirty areas and be physical. Johansson can kind of do all of it. And so I think it's interesting watching their skills you know, sort of work together the way they do and, and, and how that sort of kept Johansson going again. He's, he's basically doubled his production from last season. He's already matched it all from last year in just 25 games, 48 games last year is basically half. I mean, he's basically doubling his production this year. Um, and, and obviously we've talked ad nauseum about Matt Duchesne's greatest month in the history of the, the franchise outside of one in November, we've seen Forsberg score a game winner and he's coming back red hot. And, and so the big guys are doing their jobs. Yossi again on Tuesday night, um, now we need this second tier to continue to develop. And it does, we are seeing the signs of life we wanted to see uh, from that group. Uh, quickly looking ahead here at, at the Islanders, they're in last place at time of taping. They're at the, at the Devils on Friday and they're at the Rangers. The Devils are about a 500 team and the Rangers are a basically almost first place team. So you've already taken two out of these four. You got a lot more road games over the next couple of weeks as well. Is four points okay? Do you want five? I mean, obviously six, I think you call it a successful road trip, no question, but is, is five points now what you're rooting for because you're playing two, two sort of bad teams on Thursday, Friday? Yeah, I mean, the Islanders, they, they won um, on Tuesday, I believe it was, I think against the Ottawa Senators. Um, it was their first win in like a month, you know, because I think they had lost eight in a row. That's not good, um, right? That's not a good thing. No, okay. no, but they're, they're in last place in the, in the Metropolitan Division, but you know, when, when you talk about the Islanders season, you have to keep in mind, A, they started on like a 13-game road trip, and B, they did deal with some COVID-19 issues um, that's, that postponed a couple of their games and, you know, and left them shorthanded. Um, so, you know, their record is bad, but they have faced, you know, they remind me at the beginning of the season a lot like Dallas did last year. You know, the Stars had a COVID-19 outbreak to start the season, and then there was that terrible storm in Dallas that knocked out yeah, the power yeah. grid. You know, oh, man. so they, yeah, so they, you know, they got off to a rough start, but you could at least, you know, 
you could at least understand why. And you could see the same for the for the New York Islanders. The Devils, you know, the Predators played them a couple of weeks ago and, and, and handled them pretty, I wouldn't say yeah. easily, but it wasn't the, the toughest game. Wait, all right, before you move on, are, are you going is that that's the new building, right? Are you going to are you going? Yes, yes. I will be I will be at the UBS arena. All right. I want um, full I want a full like feedback on how it how it feels. And there's a lot of there's been a lot of reviews on that thing. So yeah, I mean, it looks like a really nice building. And yeah. you know, the, when the Predators last played the Islanders on the road uh they played at nassau coliseum while the islanders were still splitting time between the coliseum and barclays center in brooklyn where the nets play and you know i covered a couple of games at barclays center and though i do like the i did like the convenience uh, of barclays center actually being in brooklyn versus out on long island it was just not a good hockey setup because there was a building that was not built to to you know to to uh have a hockey team the the scoreboard was over the one of the blue lines <laughs> and sidelines weren't great. Um, there was no hockey press box, so that doesn't matter to anybody but me. Um, it, you know, so I'm looking forward to to seeing this building. You know, the Islanders right. should be on yeah. Long Island. You know, you know, so I, it's, I, it, I, <laughs> funny, funny how that works. I agree. I want a yes. full report uh, from you, of course. I, I think if you beat the Islanders, you, you take Jersey to overtime, you lose to the Rangers. I think you call the road trip a success. And you get back for a couple games next week, and then you got to go out on another road trip. So, um, collecting some points on the road is a big deal. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens over the course of the next uh, couple of days. Huge weekend for the National Predators. So, uh, obviously, be tuned in. And uh, when we come back, we are going to debate the uniforms that are in place for the stadium series. Everybody's got an opinion the Ryan Ellis trade, the Admirals. Uh, and we will talk a little bit about baby Arlo's social media presence as well. So we'll do all that when we come back right here on the Gold Standard Podcast. The Gold Standard, Adam Vingan of The Athletic, Pay for Good Journalism, is brought to you by Jaspers, the number one place to get your pregnant wife, well, I guess not pregnant wife, your no longer pregnant wife, her first post-pregnancy meal. Yeah, it's like a thing now. They've Jasper's has carved out a nice little niche, which is good if you have a restaurant on West End because there's a lot of hospitals uh, over there. But yes. we had a we had a listener right who said, "Listen, he just he just became a father. Baby mama just delivered, and uh, he went over to Jasper's and got some food. And you've done the same thing. I did the same thing. Like there you have it." So Drew Smizer, I really hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but Drew Smizer tweeted at us and said, I didn't eat all of the free food from the Predators game last week, but I did have Jasper's delivered in after my wife delivered our new baby. Way to go, Drew. Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, Let's hope that you conceived listening to the gold standard. Oh, God, that's so weird. Um, It would be very weird. I I highly... uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, 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 I don't do it. Just don't do it. Um, Listen, I, I love this show. I love you. And I'm a fan of my work as well. Um, I don't think we're mood music, though, for folks. I, I don't think like listening to us talk about, you know, the Ryan Ellis trade is really going to get 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 the misses in the mood. I don't I don't know. Maybe it does. No, maybe maybe Drew's wife is a big hockey fan. Maybe she likes the voice. Maybe they role play. Oh my God! Stop with the voice. Uh, but the point being, now as I've mentioned on this show, uh, get yourself together. As I've mentioned on this show, uh, I uh, my 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 wife's first meal after giving birth to Arlo was uh, a Jasper's burger. I also had one, though I didn't do any of the work. Um, though I was there to be supportive. So that is some sort of work. I didn't do any physical work. Oh, um, no one so makes themselves, it, no one makes themselves sound more important in the moment to their wife than you do. <laughs> and I've seen you do it in person in front of her face, like at a concert. And I just, I'm, I, I'm amazed. I, I, I'm amazed at how you do it, sir. She, she runs the house. She runs the house. Oh, I know. Um, but, you know, there are worse things that Jasper's can be known for. Uh, than being the place that women postpartum want to have their first meal. They have a baby, you crave Jaspers. It's a very natural order of things. There needs to be some sort of special. Have a baby, <laughs> get a burger. <laughs> Free gold standard cocktail. 
and a burger if you deliver and then get order food from Jasper's. Um, deliver at Jasper's and eat free for life. <laughs> I don't think that's what the, I don't think the kitchen staff would appreciate that. It's um, a very spacious restaurant. So they could close off a certain section and, and you could give birth right there. So we've role played with your voice and mm-hmm. we've given birth at Jasper's now. Well, not my voice, the voice. Well, right. But that's your voice. I guess it is my voice. Capital V. It's your capital V voice, not yes. lowercase V voice. It's correct. The voice. Uh, all right. Go to Jasper's. The, the parking is great. The food's great. Uh, it's a great happy hour for Preds games. $3 domestics, $10 smash burger, all home and road Pred games. And of course, the gold standard cocktail named after this show is there at Jasper's. It is quite tasty and delicious. And since you've given birth to your child now, you can have a cocktail. So you can have the gold standard and a burger after you've given birth. Go to Jasper's, everybody. All right, let's get to the most important topic in all of Nashville Predators land right now. And it has nothing to do with the win-loss record. It has nothing to do with the Brian Ellis trade, which we're going to talk about in a second, or the Admirals struggling or whatever. Um, the Stadium Series uniforms came out right after, right, I think right after or the day of um, our, our pod dropping last week. And I, I, I thought, oh, my God, I can't wait to talk about this next week on the show. So I, they, they, there's a couple of things you have to know about this before we go hardcore into into criticizing the jersey Mm -hmm. number one you you sort of have to have a couple of things happen on a stadium series jersey that doesn't happen on a regular jersey because you are outside trying to show people from hundreds of yards away the numbers on the back of the jersey so the numbers are oversized that's sort of natural the names are oversized that sort of has to be a certain way so everything on the, the jersey has to be sort of like clean and crisp and clear so that you can see from a distance what it looks like. So you have to go into this conversation with that. Have I cleared my throat enough, Adam? Let me clear my throat. Yes. They are awful. They're awful looking. Um, Here's what I would have liked. I I love the idea. Like, it's like they took one step towards what I wanted and what I've been campaigning for. And then they like stopped and like threw up on it. The, (laughs) The, The the guitar pick logo is one of my favorite logos for Nashville Predators hockey. And Mm -hmm. I was hoping that that would be the main chest crest on the sweater. And it's like they thought about it. They kind of did it. And then they screwed it up by putting a marketing slogan on the front of the sweater. Now, I do not know. And I think you wrote this in the athletic piece. We do not know exactly how much input the Predators had on this jersey. It is made by Adidas. So I, I don't know, like, I, we can't tell you who to blame on this. <laughs> but the the big Smashville letters, I, I know what they're going for with the hat show print reference. I get it. I know what they're going for. It, it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't look good. It, I, 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 there's not a part of it that I think looks good other than the guitar pick logo, which could have been the main crest on the chest. And they decided not to do that. They decided to write Smashville on there, which is a marketing slogan. I, I don't know what you think, Adam. I think I've given everybody exactly what I think about it. I would tend to agree with a lot of your points. Um, first of all, I like that it has a Navy base. Predators fans have been clamoring for a Navy alternate jersey since the previous Navy alternate jersey went out of commission, I think about a decade ago, maybe more than 10 years ago. So I like that they that they made navy the primary color on the uniform. Um, the hatch show. I also print, I also like that as well. By the way, I agree with that. the The hatch show print style lettering on the front works better in theory than in practice. Um, and as you said, I, I understand what they were trying to do there, but I I just think the execution was poor. Um, to me, the biggest problem with it, as you alluded to, well, you didn't really allude to it. You were pretty clear about it, is the fact that the nobody nobody uses Smashville to describe the team other than the team. I don't think I've ever heard a Predators fan say, oh, man, I can't wait to go to Smashville tonight. You know, for me, if you were, I, you know, the guitar pick logo is a, is a nice logo. For me, what I would have done is... I would have put Preds on the front of the jersey. Um, 
we've seen teams use shorthand nicknames on jerseys, even the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are playing the Predators in that game. Their jersey says bolts on it. We've seen the Capitals use caps. We've seen uh, the Senators use Sen and the Hurricanes use Canes. So that that's not unique. So if they were to have, if they would have put Preds in the Hatch Show print style lettering, I think that would have looked a lot better. First of all, it's, it's only five letters versus ten, and you wouldn't have had them on you know two lines, which I think looks very cluttered. Well, and I think um, that what you could do with it too is a lot of different things. You could do the diagonal. Preds could go the diagonal, you know, from the right shoulder down to the left hip or vice versa. You could do script Preds, which would look good. There's a lot of different ways to take Preds because it's a shorter word. And, oh, by the way, it's what people call the team. Right. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think you could have done that in so many different creative graphic design ways. Um, if and you look at the back of perfect. If you look at the back of the jersey on the back of the collar, I believe it is, they, there's Preds. I think that's right. Um, yes, I don't yes. think it's on the inside of the collar. It's on the outside of the collar. In the hat show style lettering. If they would have just taken that Preds and put it on the front, I think that would have been fine. I, you know, Then I think the jersey would have been a lot uh, better received than it was. Uh, my colleague, Scott Wheeler, who covers prospects and a former <laughs> guest of this show, um, said that he believes that it will go down in the 105-year history of the National Hockey League as the worst jersey ever designed for a <laughs> professional hockey team. Um, I, I don't, you know, though I am prone to hyperbole, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but the the hate hockey, the hockey Twitter was united in its hatred of those uniforms. And I think the best part was is that on Sunday morning there was a change.org petition. <laughs> that had more than 800 signatures or close to 800 signatures. Like Adidas is just going to be like, you know what? We're going to recall these things and we're just going to do it all over again. And it's unclear exactly, as you said, how much say the Predators had um, in designing this jersey typically for these NHL events, whether it's the Stadium Series, the Winter Classic, the All-Star Game, the league and Adidas, excuse me, takes the lead on these things. So I think Adidas had the the you know the biggest hand in developing this. I'm sure. I mean, the Predators obviously had input, um, but you know, I was seeing a lot of tweets and and comments about how this article, excuse me, this article, this jersey. It is an article of clothing. This jersey uh, represents the the disconnect between the the Predators organization and its fan base because they designed a jersey that they knew <laughs> that their fan base probably wouldn't accept, which is just. That seems no. dramatic. <laughs> yeah. When, I don't know how far one can reach um, or how much further one can reach than that, but all Look, in all, some, sometimes uniforms not, are ugly. I don't, I don't like it. I, I, I don't like it. I yeah. think, I, I think it could have been solved with, it could, uh, uh, could have been solved with a, with one major tweak. And that's not just, that's just not using Smashville. I think you make, yeah. making Smashville yeah. the primary logo was the worst decision that they made in designing that jersey. I completely agree. Um, I, so much so that I got text messages from people that I work with at ESPN that do not text me. People that live in Connecticut and New York and don't, but they're hockey fans, right? They're hockey people up there. Mm -hmm. And I got a text message with what the hell was this from, <laughs> some, from somebody pretty high up at ESPN. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. People down here don't like it either. Um, I, I again, the guitar pick could have been really cool. Some, some, some usage of the word Preds in some style or format or font or direction or would have been cool. I just think if you would have used the Hatch Show print in Preds, I think it would have looked a lot less busy, and I think people would have appreciated it because, as you said, most people refer to the Predators as the Preds, so. Yeah, if, you know, there, there, there's, there's that. I, you know, like I, I do think there's sort of a basic flaw with the design, though. To some, and I can't decide if it's just the big lettering mm -hmm. and the guitar pick being too busy together. And again, let's let's also like again, this is not that big of a deal. It's just one your uniform, but like it is sort of the laughing stock of the NFL of the NHL right now. I will say though, to be fair, 
the the best uniform I've ever seen is one they made for the Winter Classic. We've said this before. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite uniform that I've ever seen the Nashville Predators wear. I'm yep. not a huge fan of the reverse retro. I think some some organizations got really, really awesome ones, and a lot of other ones got really, really ugly ones. I know what the Preds were trying to do with theirs. I don't really like that one either. This one's way worse. And I, I think they, they, they were on the right track with something, and then it just sort of like fell off the cliff or whatever when they got to the big lettering in Smashville. And the, like, it's just too much going on on the front. Um, we, sh- we don't need to spend a whole lot more time on this, but it, it seems like <laughs> there's a change.org petition to, to, to mess with the, <laughs> the uni- a, a hockey team's uniform. You, you probably could have done a bit better. Um, I don't all I'm going to say, yeah, all I, will, all I will say before we move on is that oftentimes you need to see the jersey in action before you can have a real sense of how good or bad it is. And most stadium series jerseys are loud. Um, yeah. yeah. At, like, you know, for the reasons you described, because you need to be able to see the logos and numbers and names from a, a further distance than right. normal. Right. Um, so get back to me after the game in February, because I'm sure these jerseys will still sell well. And there will be plenty of them at Nissan Stadium in late February. And get like, like I said, if you want my full opinion, get back to me about the reverse retros. When I first saw them, I, I didn't love them, but they grew on me as yeah. I saw them wear them a couple of, a couple of times. Um, so, I, you know, like I said, that could happen with this one. I'm not convinced it will. But, you know, for as much uh, bitching and moaning as there was about these jerseys online, I, I still think they're going to sell well yeah. because, you know what? People love merch. I mean, people the- love swag. And and to your point, like we don't necessarily call it Smashville very often, but those smash hats in the 2017 cup run were the most po- like I had somebody offer me 60 bucks on the street for one of them. Like because, the one off your head? Yeah, because you couldn't get them. Like you couldn't get them. It was so a it, guy came up to you and said, I will buy I will pay you sixty dollars to get the hat off your head right now. So this this is a true story. So it's actually the one I'm I'm wearing, and you can see it if uh if I if if you're if I if I if I decide to put this clip on the internet. I have a very old school retro uh, Preds hat that I own from like 2016. And I'm not kidding. On the street, outside of Bridgestone Arena, after game six, win over Anaheim, I had somebody come up to me and say, I'll give you, I'll give you $100 for your hat. And he had on a one of those uh, glossy satin, bright yellow, like NBA style Adidas jackets that they sold mm-hmm. for like one year. They were like $250 jackets mm-hmm. and they were, they were super, super loud, but they were really, really cool. And I said, I'll give you this hat for that jacket. And he was like, Nope. And so I turned down like a hundred dollars for a hat <laughs> on the street. I would have said, sure. I still wear it today though. I still wear it today. And literally I'm wearing it today. Uh, all right, let's move on from the uniform. We'll see what it looks like in person. I don't have high hopes. Um, Philippe Myers and Cody glass. I want to. When, when are we allowed to start discussing the Ryan Ellis trade? Because one of them was protected in the expansion draft. They were the two primary pieces behind moving one of the most important members of your entire organization in the history of your franchise. Part of a rebuild, moving cap space, blah, whatever reasons you want to talk about. Cody Glass is in Milwaukee, and Philippe Myers, I believe, has played eight games. He played. I think 94 in the last two years, both seasons, again, remember that were much, much shorter than 82 games. So he played 40 out of 56 games last year. And he played, I think 54 games the year before that. in in a strike again, a uh, pandemic shortened season and not, and there's some interesting quotes from John Hines this week about Philippe Myers. When are, I guess my first question is when are we allowed to start discussing the Ryan Ellis trade? Because you, you can't do it in the short term because look at me, Kyle Grant. Look at me, Kyle Granlin and Kevin Fiala. I get that. But like, right. W- when are we allowed to start talking about this trade? This trade has really not worked out for anybody. Um, there were That's three true. teams involved and none of them have, you know, reaped the rewards of this trade. Ryan Ellis, I believe, has played four games this season and is, is currently on injured reserve. And I, and I don't think a return is imminent. Uh, you broke down what the Predators have done with Cody Glass and Philip Myers and, N- and Nolan Patrick, you know, who, whom the Predators acquired from Philadelphia and then flipped for Cody Glass in Vegas. Um, 
I, has missed most of the season because of injury too. And remember a few years ago, Nolan Patrick missed the entire season, I think because of vertigo, if I recall that correctly. So this trade has not worked out for anybody. Um, but, you know, to me, at the, to me, the contributions of Cody Glass and Philip Myers are secondary to the cap space that was created by trading Ryan Ellis. Yeah. Um, and you think about think about the PK Subban trade, the the second one. You know, the Predators got, I believe, two two second round picks, Jeremy Davies and Steven Santini. I mean, it was a, it was a salary dump to end all salary dumps. And then the Predators, of course, used those available funds to sign Matt Duchesne. So you sort of connect the two. Um, and, and, got, to- and got Davies. And didn't they trade those two picks to move up and draft LaRue? Did they, did they or is tra- that right? Or is that wrong? No. I, uh, different I year. Different one year. of those, I think one of those picks was Igor Afanasiev, actually. So if you're, if you're um, telling me they did a salary dump and got Afanasiev, if I could say it right, and Davies out of the deal... And the contract space to sign Duchesne, pretty good move. Right. And 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 if you're listening and I'm wrong about that, I'm sure I'll be corrected. But I believe I well, I believe they traded one of those picks. That's what I thought. And, I thought they traded to move up. And I think to move up. And and I think they took off Anasiev, but I I I'm not one hundred percent sure. Um, but I, you could say the same thing about about this trade. You know, if the predators use the space that they created by trading Ryan Ellis. Uh, to sign Philip Forsberg, um, Matthias Ekholm, or you know they signed Matthias Ekholm exactly. They they basically took the money that they were paying Ryan Ellis. That well, that's a great point because they were paying Ryan Ellis six point two five a year, and now they're paying Matthias Ekholm six point two five a year. So they traded Ryan Ellis to re-sign Matthias Ekholm, and I think most people would agree that Matthias Ekholm. We had this discussion last season if we had to determine which of the two defensemen we would keep. I think we both agreed Ekholm. So if you if you use the money, if you use the other money that's been freed up to sign Forsberg, um, then you know this trade looks really good. And if you get, you know, contributions from Cody Glass and Philip Myers, then you know, great. You know, icing on the proverbial cake. Um, so yeah, it's really hard. You know, it's really hard to to grade this trade. Um, and 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 you made the point with Kevin Fiala and and Kyle Granlund. I mean. Halfway through the 2019-20 season, you know, this trade looked like a complete dud for the Predators. You know, they were they were heading down. They, you know, they were trending downward. Granlund was a non-factor. Fiala was blooming into a top scorer. Um, and then the Predators changed coaches. You know, Mikhail Granlund becomes a linchpin of their lineup. And now my colleague Michael Russo has alluded to in a couple of instances that Fiala might not be long for Minnesota. You know, think about the think about the Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones trade. Um, it's been almost six years now uh, that Ryan Johansson has been in Nashville, if you can believe it. Um, you know, they, they got to a Western Conference final because of Ryan Johansson. And although he didn't get and although um, Stanley Cup final because of Ryan. Johansson. Yeah, they, all, yes. They, although he didn't play in the Stanley Cup final, he certainly helped them get there. Um, you know, Seth Jones. You know, had some good seasons in Columbus, but they were never able to make that much noise in the postseason. And now he plays for Chicago. You know, I think that trade has worked out much better for the Predators than at one point we thought it would. So it's really hard to say. Um, but I think the Predators could turn out to be the long-term winner of this trade if they use that cap space wisely. Well, and uh, again, to your point about all of this, which I think is critical, we we don't live in this like there has to be a winner and loser right now today world like that's not reality we, we, in the media and on sports talk radio and on twitter like yeah that's what you have to you know you have to go out there and have a take oh the the preds this was a terrible trade like that that's but that's not how the real world works you have to see what happens with Cody Glass and Philip Myers over time and what happens with Ryan Ellis over time it takes years to decide this stuff and the answer to my own question is not yet. <laughs> the answer, when can we start talking about this? We can talk about it and let's be nuanced and intelligent about it. But there, there's no quote unquote winner or loser until like 10 years from now. Like we're not going to know who, when, if the deal was the right move until 10 years from now. So um, you can't project that Ryan Ellis was going to miss all but four games or 
or you could kind of assume i mean he's got some injury stuff i know but like you get my point though is that we don't have to assign a winner and a loser to something that takes 10 years to decide i think that's the that is the gold standard sort of thoughtful nuanced authentic take to a to to a subject that generally creates people yelling at each other right well let's use the pk suban shea weber trade i mean the pk suban trade the first two years it was clearly in the favor of the predators they get to the Stanley Cup final. PK plays a huge role. Second year, he's a Norris Trophy finalist. Shea Weber can't stay healthy. Then PK's game starts to decline. Shea Weber returns. He's the captain of the Canadians. He plays. You know, he seems to have a a bit of a you know a, a, a renaissance, so to speak. Stanley and the Cup trade doesn't Stanley look Cup, so Stanley Cup final, right? Right. You know, the trade doesn't look so good for the for you know he's I, you know if if not for Shea's unfortunate you know injury history that is going to prevent him probably from playing again. You know, the Canadians would certainly turn out to be the long-term winner of this deal. Um, but because of what, I mean, really, I don't know about that. I still think you could argue it's, it's both. <laughs> it, it's hard to say, but I mean, yeah, that's why yeah. I think grading trades is such a fool's errand. It's yeah, like, because two years ago, it was clear that the wild, in my opinion, had won the trade by, by getting Kevin Fiala. But now think about where the Predators would be right now without Mikhail Brandt. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's funny how the things turn around. Yeah. Um, so the lesson on the show today is take a deep breath and let's not overreact to in the moment hot takes about trades. How about that? Now, is it great that neither one of these pieces is contributing on a team that's supposed to be rebuilding? I don't know, actually. I think you could argue that it's okay that they've got a couple of pieces developing because our next topic is the Milwaukee Admirals. And I know you were asked about this in in, in your mailbag about what's what's sort of wrong with them. And I think the easy answer is all the best players are gone, <laughs> which is an easy answer because they're all playing for the big team right now. Um, and so it's going to take time for them to restock and redevelop and go find the next Tanner Janot who's undrafted and go find the next you know, Yakov Trenin or whatever. And some of that is going to be, can Cody Glass develop? And right. so a lot of these, a lot of these, I'm sorry to interrupt. A lot of these players, you know, that I mentioned, it, you know, you mentioned a few of them, Tanner Janot, Yakov Trenin, Alex Carrier, Rem Pitlick, who's no longer with the team, of course. Um, Tommy Novak. Um, you know, Tomasino and Tolvanen. <laughs> Ellie Tolvanen. I mean, th- those players spent a lot of time together in Milwaukee, not just one season. They spent several seasons together in Milwaukee. A- and that's why, you know, two seasons ago, they were the best team in the AHL by a wide margin. But now you look at the, you know, you look at the the roster, uh, you know, for the, for the Milwaukee Admirals, and there is a lot of turnover. I mean, I'm lo- you know, you've got, I'm looking at the, the top scorers right now. You've got Cole Schneider with 21 points, Matt Luff, with 16, Cody Glass with 16, Rocco Grimaldi has 10 points in 11 games, David Ferentz, Cole Smith, Igor Afanasiev. You know, th- there's there's been a lot of turnover. Um, you know, Connor Ingram is still there, but he's, you know, had a, a, a rough start to the season statistically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just think when you have a, a, veteran, a, a veteran AHL team that's been together for a long time, you know, they're going to play well. And when they're gone, the team's going to struggle. Yeah. You know, and that's and, and that that's really the the, the genesis of the, the struggles. Yeah, I don't think that's rocket science uh, at, at all. Um, all right. You want to wrap up here with uh, your baby boy? You want you want to talk about baby? Yeah, I, I need to hear this ridiculous take that you're about. speaking of ridiculous takes. Let me just hear about this ridiculous take that you're about to dispense. Uh, our listeners. I, I think there's too much baby Arlo on your Twitter feed and on your social posts. And I just think you're putting him out there too much. I think you need to keep, keep some stuff. Uh, keep some of the mystery. For, for baby Arlo. What's what's there to be? What's there to keep a mystery? He's a baby. So let me. <laughs> I go to Adam Vingan's Twitter feed for for hockey news and for Simpsons gifts. And all I see is this adorable little child. It's just so you're telling me to stick to sports, stick to sports. Adam. No, let, I will say this, though, for and I want to get your thoughts on this, because I want to know what your conversation was with your with your wife, because this is a very relatable conversation for everybody out there with 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 the very small children. My wife and I are not on Facebook. We just, we just, we just aren't like, we I'm not on Facebook either. So there are no photos of my children on Facebook, but I do want my family. I did want my family, especially grandparents, great grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever to see pictures of the babies. Right. Especially as they get older, especially as they get to like two and three years old. Like, so this whole, this whole first years. So what I did is I created an Instagram account that is just named after my daughters 
It is done in their voice. It is like they are the ones talking and posting photos, but it is private and only family members that I approve can see it. What conversation did you have with Bridget about how much exposure is the right amount of exposure for baby Arlo? You know, we didn't have that conversation. We didn't have that specific conversation, but we have a shared album like on iPhoto that we share with my parents and her parents. You know, I, I don't have Facebook. My wife, I believe, still has Facebook, but doesn't use it very often. I think the only traces of my son on Facebook are when my mother-in-law posts pictures of him on her Facebook. Um, Do you ever have a talk with her yeah. and be like, hey, that's a, <laughs> no, no, no Arlo on the Facebook, okay? So I went back and looked, and I think I posted three photos of Arlo since like Thanksgiving. So That's like a week. I, I, that's not that much. It's a lot of Arlo, baby. It's a lot of Arlo. You know what? He's a handsome young man. I love him very much. And I want people to know that I was able to create a, a handsome baby. <laughs> so this so, is, so as usual, this is about you. Everything is about me all of the time. <laughs> uh, um, no, I just, I like, you know, I like sharing. I like sharing oh, my know, life with my, with the people that follow me. And fortunately, no one has made any cruel remarks about my son yet. Um, when I, I told can, I can Bridget, that for you. when I told Bridget that this was going to be a topic on the show, she <laughs> said, you can tell Brayden that I will kill him if she's, if, she, if he says anything about Arlo in a negative way. Oh no, this is exclusively so. negative about you. It's not about our baby. Arlo is an innocent victim in all of this. In fact, he's so innocent that he should not be on Twitter that much. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know what? Oh, I try, like, I don't, I have Instagram. And I don't really use it all that much. Like before he was born, I almost never used Instagram. Like I have it, but I never posted anything. Right. right. Like I think the, so I think I posted a picture in March that like our baby announcement. And then my next picture was, Hey, my son is here. And it was like five months later. Um, so I, you know, I share the pictures on my Instagram. Um, you know, sometimes I thought it was fun. Look, last night, um, or excuse me, Monday night, um, you know, like this is my first road trip since March of 2020 with the, so with Bridget, the baby or with Bridget or no, no Bridget and baby. They are here with me. Ooh. So they, you know, that was the, that was the trip and it was Arlo's first flight and I wanted to take a picture of him in his silly headphones. No, no. So, Look, hey, listen, I'm, I am almost, almost 100% completely kidding about this entire thing. Um, I do find it interesting parents decisions about how much exposure for their children. I do think that's an interesting discussion that our parents definitely did not have to have. <laughs> no, we did not. You and I are in the media and we have... Or they did not. We have public followings where... I, I'm just very careful about how many times I put pictures of my kids on Twitter. It's very rare. I, I, don't, I don't do it on Twitter very often. And I do not post them on Facebook. And I rarely post them on Instagram as well. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's, we're pretty careful about that. Maybe we're being insane and stupid about it. I don't know. And this is like a, now that it, now it's like an actual real conversation, but I, I don't know. Maybe we're just kind of like super paranoid about it, but we're just very careful about making sure that every time you post a picture of your kid, it's out there on the internet. It's out there forever. It's out there forever. People use pictures for nefarious reasons. You know what I mean? So, and with that, it's time to end the show. <laughs> give baby arlo a big hug and kiss for me um not not the wife i just say just say i, I didn't say anything negative about your son um make sure you rate review and subscribe to the show please share the product we really appreciate it all you guys that you know tweeted at us on about spotify and tweeted at us about jaspers and tweeted at us about the gold standard we, we really appreciate it it means a lot to us um thank you so much for listening um adam vingan pay for good journalism at the athletic where should people go grab a cocktail and eat and watch the Preds game, especially on the road trip that they're on currently? They should do that at Jasper's, where parking. is the parking is free. Yeah, there you go. And I imagine that if you had to give birth, you could do it. Like I think they, I think they would be helpful. They're a very attentive staff. They're very helpful. I'm not sure if they have any medical experience, but I'm sure they could, you know, get a tablecloth, throw it over you. <laughs> you know, I, I would trust them with delivering my baby. The greatest endorsement one could ever get as a restaurant. I would trust you to deliver my baby. 
Uh, special thanks to Adam Bingen. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, share the show. Go to Jaspers, everybody. This has been the gold standard here on the 440 Sports Network.